Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations. And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Good morning. I wish uh, all who are celebrating a uh, easy fast, good Yom Tov, uh, on today, uh, Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur. Can we get started this morning, September 28th, last week of uh, the third quarter of 2020, and talk about the coronavirus, and more specifically talk about pandemics and what influence pandemics have had on history and uh, financial markets and uh, then uh, talk about uh, some of the events taking place last week in the financial markets, as well as uh, some thoughts from Barron, specifically some thoughts on their cover story on biotechnology stocks and some of the uh, rapid changes taking place and the transformation taking place in biotechnology and drug pharmaceutical industry uh, as a result of the coronavirus. So when you're living through something as earth-shattering, changing, life-altering as we are with the coronavirus. It's often difficult to see at the time the effect or the influence it may have in history or on the long-term trajectory of events. And it's possible that we are perhaps living through one of those moments currently as we adapt our lifestyles, change our behaviors, change our customs, our norms, and what effect or influence uh, these may have, even if we hopefully at some time in the near future revert back to uh, a quote-unquote more normal lifestyle. And our history very often uh, is our lifetime or the span of our lives, and we make all sorts of projections based on what we've experienced or perhaps what the previous generation, our parents, have instilled in us. Uh, But very often we discount anything greater than that um, and don't factor it into our thinking as much because it's something that's remote and human behavior, human nature is uh, is such that uh, that we, we don't weigh it as heavily. And because there has not been a uh, pandemic, um, at least uh, one that would uh, compare to the coronavirus uh, in the United States um, or most of the rest of the developed world, um, we have not uh, factored these uh, these pandemics into our thinking. But if you go back and look at history, uh, pandemics have altered the course of history in ways that uh, were difficult to predict before, and uh, we can now look back and see the changes that were wrought by those pandemics, and it very well may be possible that this pandemic will change history as well, um, or at least the path of uh, the current trajectory that was in place prior to the pandemic. And in modern history, one of the first uh, pandemics that uh, that changed uh, Change things was the Great Plague of Athens. Um, in 430 BC, a deadly disease swept through ancient Athens, which was at the time a city at its peak. At the time, they were at war with the Spartans. And in the three years that followed, about a third of the population, um, as many as 100,000 people were killed, including their leader, Pericles. The outbreak led to a breakdown of society and arguably played a role in the defeat of Athens. Um, interestingly, we still do not know what caused that devastating disease, but what we do know is that Athens never returned 
to its former glory and power. Perhaps more relatable to us as Americans um, are the events that uh, that transpired that uh, enabled uh, many of our ancestors uh, to come here and to explain perhaps why uh, the United States uh, was a land of opportunity, was a land uh, of lots of land without any inhabitants. And that was largely due to uh, not the decimation of the natives um, by European uh, war makers, um, but it was the result of smallpox, which uh, changed the future of America after the arrival of Christopher Columbus at the end of the 15th century. Um, Columbus landed on the island of Hispaniola, and there was, at the time, a native population of Arawaks. Now, Columbus imagined that he was going to subjugate the Arawaks and reduce them to slavery, um, but this proved impossible because they died. Within a generation, the population of Arawaks had been reduced to 10,000 from several million, and this was the result exclusively of smallpox. Um, some people have said there might have been as many as 100 million inhabitants here in North America. Some say it was as small as 10 million uh, but no matter what the starting number, by the end of the 1600s, there were less than one million Native Americans uh, living in the Americas as a result of disease. Also, interestingly, um, because Spaniards and Columbus were unable to enslave the Arawaks uh, because uh, they perished from disease, um, what the Europeans did was they turned to Africa, and this fueled the growth of the African slave trade. And the reason that uh, Africans became uh, the slaves here in North America, as tra tragic, obviously, as it is, um, is because the Native Americans uh, were very susceptible to disease. So in order to bring in workers that were capable of uh, of taking care of the uh, crops and all the things that they uh, wanted slaves to do, um, the Native Americans had uh, did not have the immunity that the Africans who had lived in close proximity to the Europeans had, in many cases, the Africans had actually uh, migrated into Europe, but the Europeans were descendants of the Africans and shared a lot of common uh, uh, DNA and common hi disease history. And uh, this is what led, in many cases, in many reasons, to the enslavement of African Americans instead of the attempted enslavement of, uh, of Native Americans. Thinking about the course of history here in America, and uh, just mentioned uh, slavery. Um, another monumental impact uh, from disease here in the United States and the actual formation of the United States was once again caused by disease. And it wasn't Columbus who's, whose colonial plans were stopped by infectious disease. It was also Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon lost control of the Caribbean colony of St. Domingue, which is now Haiti, because of an epidemic. In 1789, the year the French Revolution began, the French colony of Haiti um, was the richest in the world. Its wealth was created by the labor of half a million uh, black slaves producing sugar, indigo, cotton, cocoa, coffee, and tobacco. In 1791, the slaves began a revolt to overthrow the French. It was the biggest slave rebellion in human history. And what did the French do? They responded by sending 50,000 soldiers and sailors to St. Domingue to crush the rebellion. But unlike the slaves, the soldiers had no herd immunity to what was rife in the region, which was yellow fever. And by the summer, 80% of the soldiers had died, and just about all of the remaining 20% were too sick to fight. 
Napoleon accepted this defeat, withdrew the attempt to restore slavery, and we have what was the beginning of decolonization uh, by the Europeans, um, not only in the Americas, but, uh, but uh, also in the rest of the world. In addition, Napoleon realized that he didn't have a base for his ambitions in North America, so what did he do? He sold Louisiana to Thomas Jefferson, and this was the Louisiana Purchase of 1803 that doubled the size of the United States. So here we have yellow fe fever playing a huge geopolitical role in reorienting the balance of power among the great period powers of the period, and we see the emergence of the United States as a very significant regional power to eventually becoming a global power. Um, so some things to uh, think about when you think about um, the current pandemic, and of course it's very difficult to uh, imagine what the effects in the long term will be and what the uh, what the hopefully the the resulting uh, after effects or aftershocks will be. Hopefully, what it will be, and we'll talk about this with the Barron's article, will be a tremendous uh, development or sort of a space race um, to find uh, cures for diseases and vaccines. Hopefully, it'll result in very positive uh, transformations um, and uh, and not uh, and not. Uh, anything that uh, is negative or harmful, especially uh, to the United States. So pulling back, taking a look at where we are this morning after we saw a fourth straight week of declines in the markets last week, um, we are seeing some optimism this morning um, on, the heels of, uh, on the heels of last week, and that optimism is, uh, is the result of uh, several factors. Right now we're seeing Dow futures up about 385 points. Um, S&P futures are about 50 points up. Uh, NASDAQ futures are up about 225 points, or 2%. Investors right now are looking past more bad news on the COVID-19 front and are focusing on mergers and acquisitions activity and positive corporate news. Um, on Friday in the United States, we had a record rise in COVID-19 cases as the outbreak gathers steam in the Midwest. This morning, politics uh, back in the uh, limelight after a report that uh, President Trump paid $750 in federal income taxes in each of his first two years as president. We also have the news uh, of a uh, new Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, and perhaps uh, what the markets are most focused on is the possibility of a fresh stimulus package with House Democrats due to unveil a revised package as President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden prepare for their first debate tomorrow evening. Um, HSBC stock is up about 11% after China's Ping An Insurance Company nudged higher their stake in the lender to 8% from 7.95%. Last week, HSBC shares fell to their lowest level since 1995 after a Global Times report said that HSBC could be added to China's quote-unquote unreliable entities list. Also, uh, news this morning that the steel and mining company ArcelorMittal um, agreed to sell its U.S. arm to mining company Cleveland Cliffs in a deal valued about $3.3 billion, including assumed debt. Uh, Caesars Entertainment is said to be in talks to buy British bookie William Hill for $2.9 billion in a deal to boost its presence in the growing U.S. sports betting market. Uh, Diageo is up after they said their outlook for the fiscal year has improved, driven in large part by its U.S. business due to resilient consumer demand. Uh, Devon Energy and WPX Energy are in talks to combine, according to a source in the Wall Street Journal. Probably continue to see mergers and acquisitions in the uh, oil and gas space. 
Uh, U.S. judge blocked the Trump administration's ban on TikTok downloads. Um, this ban was set to go into effect uh, Sunday evening. Um, what he did do is leave in place a, uh, a larger uh, a larger ban that is set to go into place on November 12th um, if a deal is not struck uh, to uh, change control of TikTok. Uh, Uber won a bid to uh, get back its London licensing, um, and that is lifting sentiment this morning on Uber. Um, American Airlines in the news saying on Friday that uh, they they secured a five and a half billion dollar government loan, and they could tap up to two billion more in October. Uh, this uh, is a result of them uh, of them taking advantage of loans under a twenty five billion dollar loan package for airlines. Airlines have until September 30th to decide whether to take the U.S. Treasury loans, which were authorized under the CARES Act. Uh, the reason airlines have been hesitant to draw down on loans is there are restrictions that they have to adhere to if they do draw down. Uh, they are required to issue warrants to the government. They are required to uh, have restrictions on executive compensation, and they are required to have restrictions on buybacks um, as the price for accepting some of those loans. This week, we've got a lot to look forward to. Um, today, we have Alibaba, B-A-B-A, hosting a virtual investor day that continues through Wednesday. Uh, mentioned earlier, tomorrow, presidential debates at Case Western University um, being moderated by Chris Wallace of Fox. Um, tomorrow, we also get the Consumer Confidence Index for September, expected to be 90, up from 84.8. Um, Wednesday, we have ADP releasing its National Employment Report for September, they are expecting to add 625,000 private sector jobs. Um, also on Wednesday, we get the final estimate for second quarter GDP. Um, that estimate is expected to show that the economy shrunk at 31.7%. In the second quarter, uh, most minds are now focused uh, on what the current quarter is going to look like, uh, second quarter uh, pretty far in the uh, rearview mirror. Also Wednesday, Wednesday we get uh, pending home sales. Um, we get the Institute for Supply Management releasing Chicago Purchasing Managers Index. Um, Thursday, we get earnings from ConAgra, Constellation Brands, and Pepsi. We also get uh, personal income and spending for August. Income is expected to decline 2.8%, but consumption is expected to rise 9 tenths of 1%, um, obviously eating into savings, uh, some of that due to the fact that the uh, stimulus uh, benefit for unemployment benefits um, expired. And then Friday, perhaps, uh, the number that will have uh, the most uh, attention drawn to it, which is the jobs report for September. Non-farm payroll employment is expected to rise by 932,000. Um, that's after August's gain of 1.37 million. The unemployment rate is expected to tick down to 8.4 from 8.2%. Taking a look at Barron's, uh, Barron's uh, highlighting that uh, despite the uh, negativity that we saw last week in the markets, uh, they said the market had a bad week. At least it wasn't a terrible one. The S&P fell uh, six-tenths of 1%. The S&P coming into today was just under 3,300. The Dow was down about 500 points last week. It was down to about 27,200. And uh, the uh, Russell 2000 was down 4% uh, last week, the weakest of the indices. Uh, the NASDAQ was up 1.1%. Uh, last week saw some unwinding of some of the uh, some of the trading that had been taking place, uh, expecting uh, the economy to uh, reopen, some money flowing out of tech stocks, with the expectation that the industrials would begin outperforming. And after the resurgence of COVID, not just uh, here in the United States, but uh, the UK talking about a second shutdown, 
Um, also, a second wave of infection in France as they reported the highest number of daily cases, as well as other European countries seeing spikes. All that changed sentiment um, from recovery stocks back into uh, back into stocks that were benefiting during the pandemic. Uh, thus, the rise in the Nasdaq and the fall in the uh, in the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average. Last week, markets were focused on uh, renewed fears of uh, COVID infections. Uh, worried about a less than smooth election, as President Trump uh, was suggesting there may not be a smooth transition of power if the election um, is uncertain. Um, and we also had uh, some indicators that the economy was weakening and concerns that uh, perhaps the stimulus uh, that the markets had been hoping for would not be coming. And uh, also um, some talk that uh, previously, even if there was no stimulus, some thought the markets uh, could uh, overcome that. And after some of the weakness last week, uh, the sentiment was shifting to if we don't get uh, stimulus, we could have a bigger problem uh, than we thought previously without that stimulus. Talking about a couple of different uh, stories from Barron's, um, one of which was the headline story, which talked about the healthcare revolution racing ahead. Um, and uh, this could be one of those... Uh, those aftermaths or effects of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, perhaps some good news uh, associated with that pandemic is that um, is that uh, the efforts to understand the novel virus and for prevent and find a preventative vaccine um, have kickstarted innovation all across the healthcare spectrum, from biotechnology and drug development to diagnostics and patient care. Um, Barron saying that the uh, post COVID world could see a penelope of brand new tools to solve age-old problems like cancer, kidney disease, genetic disorders, allowing scientists to target disease pathways that weren't recognized or even understood just a few years ago. And uh, mention uh, two stocks that uh, were highlighted in this uh, list of 10. And if anyone wants the uh, the others, I'd be happy to send this article out. Um so one of the companies uh, mentioned here is a company that uh, went public in August called Oak Street Health. The symbol is Oscar Sierra Hotel. Um, the company is building primary care clinics for Medicare patients. And uh, according to uh, uh, Edward Yoon, who is quoted in this article, um, he said uh, that, uh, in his opinion, that, uh, that these clinics are dramatically lowering costs. Um, he said that the uh, the net promoter score, which is a measure of customer satisfaction, um, is very high um, for uh, seniors or for those who are using these Medicare-based uh, uh, health care. Um, and uh, he is suggesting that when uh, Oak Street Health begins to roll their offering out on a national scale, which he expects to happen over the next five to ten years, it will create a very different experience for the next generation of people using uh, Medicare and uh, obviously, he thinks that would be positive for uh, Oak Street Health, who's delivering that uh, Medicare service uh, to them. Another company mentioned, um, this one, uh, a Chinese company, so with the usual uh, caveats uh, with uh, the U.S.-Chinese narrative getting tense. Uh, this company has been under some pressure, um, and this is a biotech company with uh, very little in revenue relative to market cap. Uh, the name of the company is Burning Rock Biotech. The symbol is BNR Boy Nancy Roger. It is a China-based diagnostics company. Revenues grew 83% last year to about $60 million. Um, Burning Rock is using next-generation sequencing to develop molecular profiles uh, for diseases. They are the largest provider of molecular tests in China, 
the market uh, has uh, only 6% penetration for molecular uh, disease uh, profiling. Um, and uh, quoted in this article here um, from uh, Mr. Uh, Eli Kasdan, um, that uh, he feels that the uh, growth potential um, for Burning Rock Biotech and their molecular testing is enormous uh, potential in the Chinese markets. Barron's not just talking about uh, the uh, stock markets last week, but also about the credit markets, and perhaps uh, it's always hard to tell which uh, what, what, what's wagging what, if the tail's wagging the dog or the dog's wagging the tail. Um, and Barron's uh, talking about credit tightening and uh, why that's uh, important and why uh, that could uh, unhinge an economic uh, recovery. Um, we see that uh, as a result of uh, low interest rates um, and uh, what has been uh, credit that is accessible, we have seen a housing boom, uh, sales of existing home sales running at an annual rate of 6 million units in August, new home sales topping 1 million um, last month, that's the highest level since 2006, way back when, when we had a housing, uh, housing economy that was booming. Um, and uh, this, uh, this growth in the housing market is a uh, re- reaction to uh, several factors, one of which is the availability of credit, the other of which is, uh, is uh, low rate loans, and the third of which is uh, perhaps uh, people uh, changing their uh, geography, um, in some cases leaving cities for the suburbs, all creating uh, housing uh, demand, um, but again, this uh, this continuation of this uh, of this uh, strength in this sector, very dependent on credit, and banks are starting to tighten credit. Um, one uh, one point uh, of mention in this article: um, high yield bond funds last week saw outflows of nearly five billion, the biggest exodus since March, um, and that's when the capital markets were pretty much in meltdown territory before the Fed came to the rescue. High-yield spreads last week uh, widened by 40 basis points to 547 basis points. Um, you may be asking yourself, well, uh, why are we starting to see tighter credit, especially around housing, when housing prices are increasing? Well, banks are starting to feel the pressure of uh, tighter net interest margins, which are shrinking as a result of Fed cuts. Um, and uh, and as a matter of fact, the percentage of banks right now tightening uh, credit card standards is higher than it was during the dot-com bubble or the great financial crisis. Um, Capital One Financial, um, the third largest credit card issuer, trimmed limits by as much as two-thirds after the expiration of the $600 weekly supplement unemployment payment from the CARES Act. Um, we're starting to see a weakness in the subprime auto lending market. Um, in the second quarter, loans delinquent for 60 days jumped to 7.2% of subprime loans outstanding. Um, from 4.4 percent, um, which uh, which is a significant uh, uptick. Also thought uh, it was interesting that uh, recently Carvana, which is a uh, online uh, retailer of used cars, um, they recently floated a bond issue. But what was interesting were the metrics uh, that uh, that uh, backed up uh, these uh, car loans that uh, were the uh, were the collateral for this uh, bond issue. And uh, you can see that the uh, credit quality of these uh, loans, uh, the people buying the uh, Carvana cars, um, are not of the soundest credit, and any tightening of credit could really have a dramatic impact. Um, the average FICO score um, for this uh, bond issuance, which was an asset-backed securities offering, was 554, um, and the average interest rate uh, that uh, that these uh, customers were paying for their auto loan was 19.2%. On loans with an average uh, maturity for used cars of 71 months, 
Um, so you can see a tightening of credit standards uh, could significantly uh, have an impact uh, on the margins, especially for those most uh, susceptible and vulnerable um, to, uh, to any sort of uh, pullback. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lanton. For more podcasts, please visit our website, www.lanternwa.com.